Hello. Hello. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with you. <laughs> I know. Dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think that we should tell the world uh, a little bit about everything that we um, have had to make happen to get to this point. <laughs> First and foremost, we had to make it through Mercury Retrograde. Yes, yes, <laughs> doing some really funky stuff with our digital technology. I think my digital technology. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, super it bizarre. A, it was a good depth psychological study of just being like, honoring that moment. <laughs> being like, okay, yeah, surrender. Exactly, surrendering to psyche. Oh yes. my goodness. <laughs> Yes, this is like the antithesis of like the um, morning commute talk show. Yeah, it's like <laughs> loud and obnoxious and gross and like low vibrational. Like we want to raise vibration. Yeah, we're high vibes. Hashtag high vibes. <laughs> yes, way up there with love, enjoy, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, ma'am. we should definitely we should do a little intro. Tell them where you're from and your story. Cool. Yeah. And I thought it would be also really important since this is our pilot episode to maybe focus on what the creation story for this podcast is. I love it. Great. Yes. Okay. So my name is Kaki Muller. I am currently a PhD student at Pacifica Graduate Institute studying depth psychology with an emphasis in somatic studies. Um, If you don't know what that is, you're not alone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) a lot of our assignments have to do with us defining that for ourselves. Um, but my focus is really on how, um, words impact us on a physical, psychological, interpersonal, and cultural level. Um, and, uh, how word wound, words can be wounding, and through that process become oppressive and limit our cultural agency and uh, ability to uh, make the full range of choices for ourselves. Um, And I recently moved to San Diego. So uh, we're using this super cool anchor podcast because Raven Elizabeth, is up in Santa Barbara. Yeah. So close, so far. (laughs) (laughs) We will be reunited in a few days when we have our sessions, so. Yes, I'm excited. Do a live podcast. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Perfect. Anything else you want to share? Um, I, I'll remain a bit of a mystery and have unfold (laughs) our episodes. (laughs) I love it. I'm excited to learn. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I guess I will go. I have Dr. Elizabeth Wisniewski, a.k.a. Raven Elizabeth. It's my healing artist's name. And I am a year behind in a different cohort than Kaki, so I'm finishing up the master's portion right now in depth psychology, somatic studies. And my emphasis so far with my field work moving toward dissertation is 
redefining sight as the deep seat of knowing and having that memory as a felt sense throughout the whole body, but also really learning to trust and understand, honor, recognize, and use the third eye, the third eye chakra, your intuition um, to make embodied and informed decisions, but to also look at what kind of symbols and images are produced from people who can't see versus people who can see out of their physical eyes and look at that um, just across cultures and millennia we see similar symbols come up. So I've been doing a lot of blindfolded yoga and painting with people to kind of go through that process. Beautiful. I'm so excited to learn more about your work too. Yeah, same. All right. So our creation story. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite synchronistic. <laughs> it really is. I don't even fully know like, I feel like this really, we started like birthing this when we were sitting in the hallway where we were like asked to leave a restaurant because of our vegan gluten-free pizza. <laughs> yes, that's that's really a lot of how it happened. <laughs> we were trying to be social with with other people from Pacifica, but the restaurant that we were at didn't have anything that we could eat because of our, our dietary restrictions. And so we had ordered a pizza and then the waitress said that we had to leave. <laughs> it was awesome. We sat in the hallway with our wine and like plastic cups or sh- I had champagne. Yeah. <laughs> plastic cups. Just right outside the restaurant so they could still see us eating our awesome pizzas that were banned. Yeah. Because they only have like french fries, deep fried and chicken. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're not naming the hotel. It's okay. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's fine. Highest and best to them. Future depth psych uh, Yelp review. I don't know. (laughs) So So we were sitting in the hallway um, right outside this restaurant, and we just kind of started talking about um, what we've been learning at Pacifica, and you're in the, or you were at the time, in the archetypal psychology course. Mm -hmm. Yeah talking about our shared love I didn't even know you loved Hillman as much as I did or even more so started Hillman really I mean he didn't like being called the founder of archetypal psychology but really he is post Jungian and he was the head of the Jungian Institute in Zurich for a while even around around the time or right after Jung passed away in early 60s so Hillman it's just like a lifelong romance for me, I feel. <laughs> Even before I knew who he was. I was like, so excited to have like a kindred spirit in this. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I feel like it's very similarly. Like I don't know how I do, developed the work that I do and became so passionate about the about uh so many Hillmanian topics without knowing who Hillman was right um I didn't know Hillman until my first year at Pacifica um and I was reading a book before I started my first session that was assigned I believe it was a blue fly a blue fire Mm -hmm. um And I just, like, dropped the book in my lap and was mouth agape 
dumbfounded like this this is my work this is my theorist like and I've been completely and utterly in love with uh James Hillman ever since and <laughs> have a very active intellectual love affair <laughs> this beautiful trickstery human you know what's so funny is that like all throughout my life I like before I even knew the word sapiosexual I was like I have an intellectual crush on this professor or whatever like an undergrad and so I feel that same way <laughs> like I am so intellectually stimulated by this person and like listening to his YouTube videos and like blows my mind and it brings together under this auspice of depth psychology for me like everything I've ever done in my life from my environmental studies degree to being a chiropractor it's just it's like everything's there yeah and it's in the collective and it's just, it's amazing that the words like archetype are out there and people throw them around without knowing what they are or knowing that archetypal psychology is even in existence as a discipline. Right. So it's been like integrated into society, but not incorporated, brought into the body. So I think that's, that's something that we can bring through this podcast and our future work as well. I, I love that. That's definitely one of my goals for this podcast is to spread the love yeah. for our main man, James. <laughs> WWHS, what would Hillman say? Well, he ha- would have a lot to say about anything, I would say. <laughs> That's true. So we have a wealth of opportunities and topics for future podcasts. Um, And just to give a little bit more background for folks who don't know what depth psychology is and don't know who James Hillman is, um, a lot of our foundation for depth psychology studying at Pacifica comes from um, Carl Jung and his work. And um, James Hillman was a direct disciple uh, from Jung and studied with him. and very openly took Jung's work in a different direction and was very critical of um, a lot of what Jung had to say, which Mm -hmm. is uh, exciting and um, has a lot of trickstery life to it. Yeah, it's like Hillman was able to breathe some life force into Jung's work and take it beyond this like two-dimensional image or symbol and putting that, helping bring that chi, the prana, the life force into his work to like animate it and to allow us to have more of a deeper dialogue. And Jung was doing that with himself, but he wasn't necessarily putting that in the world because he was really trying to fight being called a mystic at the time and trying to gain rather empirical scientific proof of what he was his research yes beautifully said and hillman was kind of like fuck the system (laughs) (laughs) that's why we love him (laughs) yeah he didn't really care what people thought um Mm -hmm. he was just going to be true to psyche and he intentionally openly contradicted himself every opportunity that he got um (laughs) Which really just gives us permission, right? Yeah. A lot of people are not uh, super big fans of Hillman because of this kind of circular 
paradoxical writing style that he has, but that is part of why I fell in love with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I read Freud for humor, honestly, like, (laughs) especially in planes. I think Freud's really funny and a good writer. Young, I do have a lot of love for Young, but it's like Hillman just lights my soul and spirit and psyche Mm -hmm. on fire. Yes. And it reminds me, like, this uh, not Hillman book, but something that completely shifted my life was Aldo Leopold, an undergrad, and this book of Fierce Green Fire. And oh. he was a naturalist in, where, in the area you grew up in. Oh. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yeah. And oh. he was hunting, and he looked across the river, and he saw this wolf with her pups and was about to shoot her. And then it looked in her eyes and saw this fierce green fire and he like laid down his gun and he never hunted again and really went more into like naturalism. And it was around the time of like Hetch Hetchy and Mir and all those people um, really like was just this defining moment for me. And that's how I view like my solar plexus and heart chakras as fierce green mm-hmm. fire. And so when I read young, it like really ignites that of like being one with nature. And I think that, my environmental background kind of informs this step psychological approach and vice versa. That's so beautifully said. Oh my goodness. I will have to, to check out that book. Yes. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. I have it in Michigan. I'll, I'll bring it. I'm going there in a couple of weeks. Bring it oh, back yay. You. Yeah. Exciting. Dug through um, all my environmental books recently. <laughs> so. Oh, and they're well, so I, helpful for what we do. It's it's amazing, and I, it's like I lost part of that when I became a doctor. It was just like that disconnect. Even though chiropractic is a more holistic, vitalistic perspective, somewhere along the way, I became mechanistic. And so Hillman brought that back to me of like, we're all connected and it's the vitalistic principles from Ed Mueller, that lineage that somatics is in. And so many of these movements are from that lineage and it's like mind, body, soul, spirit, psyche, planet. And we have Mm -hmm. to have that planet connection. Yes. And I think it's important to, to tell the folks at home um, that Hillman was a huge, huge, um, believer in paganism and a uh, very strong advocate for a lot of uh, environmental advocacy during his life um, and the connection, like establishing a personal connection with nature. Mm-hmm. Starting with ourselves and the recognition that we're nature. Yes. Yes, sister wife. <laughs> I love that. Like, it's so simple to think about, but then we just disconnect of like, oh, I'm going to go spend time in nature and you like drive in your truck. Yeah. <laughs> this big yeah. deal. And it's like, no, like nature's right there. There's a tree. You can go engage with the tree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I love too, um, that we we're both exposed to in the eco-psychology course that we took at Pacifica is that nature is not separate from human society. Mm -hmm. Like this is a controversial statement for some folks, but like the city, the house that you live in, it's nature. Mm -hmm. It's all part of nature. There's no uh, division. Any division that we make is a, a false dualism. Right. 
And that's, that's really coming from Hillman's perspective of everything has a soul fragment, a life spark within it. Whether we think it's like this object that's inanimate, like a table, but it's like, it's made out of wood or whatever it's made out of. And it has that life force within it. Mm-hmm. And we forget from elementary school science that like everything matter, like molecules in motion, <laughs> like everything's still alive and moving. But somehow yeah. over time, we like set that aside and disconnect and or go into a state of disbelief that we are connected to everything yes the anima mundi yeah uh, the soul of the world so beautiful just hearing that over and over again at my first quarter at pacifica i really just created this like spark within me of i'm like waving my hands around like people can see me right now (laughs) (laughs) but the anima mundi like oh my gosh like why don't we talk about that more just in our society and we're so I keep saying disconnected because it's such a big word for me right now of like Mm. not being connected to everything around us and that everything is alive so I love that premise and I remember in first quarter somebody looked across this courtyard and saw this tree that looked pregnant and I ended up painting that wow and made it three-dimensional or I incised lines to make the trees and I made this mom tree that was pregnant big baby bump and then a little baby tree next to her and then I can drew or painted rather like all these red roots connecting them and then I painted auras around the trees just to really like exemplify like we you know this has an aura and a field and energy and communication in the root system and so beautiful and brilliant yes and that would have been right before uh the book a secret life of trees came out right yep um, I, think, I think ray johnson mentioned it at our opening little ceremony that day yes so, uh that book is written by peter wollenben mm-hmm. if i'm saying that correctly um but it talks about how it's now scientifically proven that trees communicate with each other and that uh the kind of matriarchal grandmother tree shares information and resources with the baby saplings and (laughs) after uh after a tree um no longer has a trunk and branches and to us it looks like a dead stump the other trees in the forest actually work to keep that trunk alive and and share its resources because it's full of wisdom and having survived for so long. Um, So there's this very complex, interwoven, unseen communication process that is not our way of of communicating currently in our society. Um, (laughs) but is very much this beautiful image that you're describing of these interconnected roots um, that tether us together and help us support each other. The trees can really show us how to honor the ancestors. We, in our Western culture, are not doing that, obviously. Like, we don't have altars for our ancestors, but, like, the forest is naturally creating an altar and like keeping it alive yes what can we learn from that and yes and go ahead and the, 
the trees themselves are our ancestors. Mm. Um, so many people uh, maybe don't realize that or don't haven't had been exposed to that um, way of of connecting with nature. But yeah, the we're connected with everything, as you were saying, with the anima mundi and the trees are our brothers and sisters and ancestors. I love that. We're definitely going to do an entire episode on trees <laughs> coming up soon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we have a few things to say about trees. Just a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like a three-part tree series. I don't know. <laughs> but sneak preview, we just think of the symbol of the tree, the branches connecting to the celestial realms, heavens, and then the trunk being terrestrial on this earth and then roots connected to the underworld. And so it's this connection that's flowing just like we should be connected. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, I could go and jump into that so quickly, but I'm trying to (laughs) stay focused. I feel like we should do that one outside together at Pacifica. Oh, maybe next week. Yeah. Like sitting under one of the trees. I love it. I'm so yeah. excited. Because it's also going to be our first time back on Ladera yeah. campus. Um, I I don't know how much uh, our listeners know about this, but uh, Pacifica is located in Carpinteria um, and was uh, very much affected. The whole community was affected by the Thomas fires and the um the mudslides that happened in december and january yeah yeah so we we haven't been on our campus at all this year which is crazy it's almost end of april and let's see those fires started december 4th while we were on campus while we were on campus we were evacuated on the last day they were handing out masks i was giving my fieldwork presentation and they came in halfway through and started handing out masks <laughs> and the like PowerPoint wouldn't connect. It was so crazy. So I just gave my entire presentation by memory. It was very disruptive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was an event. So we did that. And then uh, the mudslides were January 9th. So they had the Army Corps of Engineers in that whole area by the Ladera campus stabilizing um and it's they they did a lot of good work plus both campuses were used for uh, firefighters and just like places to help the community set up and prepare so it'll be nice to be back there on our home campus for your last really your last quarter I guess you have summer Ah, yeah I know (laughs) crazy time flies when you're in love with Hillman (laughs) it's so true (laughs) I think that'll be worse really special for us to be sitting there grounded connected to the lineage there yeah I look forward to that me too well we have so much to say so much to bring forward from this lens I'm really excited to move forward me too I I, I'm so grateful that we found this shared passion and that we totally are 100% on board with being sister wives and are not jealous (laughs) or possessive of our boy James. (laughs) 
There's enough intellect from Hillman to go around. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of sister wives have like separate bedrooms. We have like separate libraries, but we can like come together in the hallway. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But there's a lot of overlap in our libraries. (laughs) (laughs) We should really have a young analysis now of our. That's that like so nerdy, and I love it. Yeah, that'll be ongoing in our episodes. <laughs> Pay attention, folks. All right. <laughs> well, I look forward to this. It's going to be fun. Good project. I know. I'm so excited. And I'll see you soon. Yeah, you will. All right. Well, have a beautiful day, everybody. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. Sister Wives of Hillman signing off. <laughs>